He's such a good person. What do you mean? Well, you don't even like him, do you? But you're still doing something nice for him. Unlike me. I'm loyal as hell to the ones I love. The rest can go hang. Alice, don't make me better than you. I didn't. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 41 of Conversation League of Mountain, a podcast part of the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and join me on podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Colin. How's it going? We have episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 41, the screenplay was done by Tony Osborne. It was directed by John Callan, and the episode synopsis were read out by Sabine. Trudy sows discord among the mall rats as the Chosen begin to make their move. Jack discovers more about what Ebony is planning, and Ryan waits for an answer from Celine. Okay, panel, we're going to jump straight into a scene that really annoyed me. Um, <laughs> so, Danny and Cloudy discover that the sewer entrance to the mall is open, and she returns to find some of the rats playing games and angrily berates them and later Bray for lack of security. She explains in private to Bray that she's worried about the power base that Ebony's building up, as well as Bray not being allowed to let go for even one minute. Sipano, what did you make of Danny's concerns here and her outbursts at the rest of the tribe? Oh, get a grip, girl. I mean, sure, I know you want your security better, but I don't know. It's not like having that sewer entrance closed would stop Ebony from getting in. I mean, come on, the girl lived with you for ages. So if Ebony is the one you're worrying about, it makes no sense. And mm. oh, just, just it was so fun to see Bray and the others just have that little moment of fun for for once, you know. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I think she was more annoyed that she wasn't invited to join in than anything else. I mean, she was stuck on dog duty, and well, yeah, no, I just think she's being a jealous cow and. That it's not really about the security. It's about Bray paying attention to other people than her. Yeah, I, I want to give Danny the benefit of the doubt. Because I don't think all of her points are invalid. You know, I mean, you still have things that you need to worry about. You still need to keep your mall secure. The city freaking hates you. Um, they've already tried to come and destroy you. And you haven't solved any of those problems. So you're not exactly safe. But I just... I can't help but feel like Sabine is right. There's just too much here that doesn't make sense to me, especially since wasn't it just an episode or two ago that Danny was the one saying that we, you know, we have a future here, we have hope. Mm -hmm. She wasn't concerned. She totally believed the chosen were defeated, you know. Um, so it just again, it's whiplash for her to suddenly just be flipping out again about how they're not safe. I, I, that's that tonal issue they constantly have with the Marats and. The way she's lashing out at them, like there was a way to tell Bray you are concerned about security in the mall without screaming at these guys. Yeah. So I, I feel like Sabine might have a point. Well, she may have been genuinely upset when she saw that Ebony's power base is growing and not feeling good about the fact that they had to let Ebony go and feeling like, you know, what are we going to do? We, we, you know, Jack may be not be good enough to find out if she's doing anything. Um, so I think that that's possible that she genuinely is triggered by that, that worry. And of course there's her jealousy of Ebony anyway, but mm -hmm. it does seem more like she's jealous one that Bray isn't paying any attention to her, that he's spending time with other people, that they're having fun without her. 
um, because it's just the way she lashes out at them. It just doesn't feel like this is because you're genuinely concerned about their safety. It seems like you're lashing out at them because you're mad at them and your anger is misplaced. And it, it also feels like the way she's talking to Bray is just, remember how I said when Bray got his power back and doesn't need Danny anymore, I said, mm-hmm. she's going to need something to fight with him about to get <laughs> yeah. his attention again. Yeah. This is what it feels like. She found something so she can once again, exert power over Bray's behavior Mm-hmm. and he falls in line. You know what I mean? She calms down as soon as she has his attention and she can tell him what he needs to be doing again. You know, because all I'm thinking is, Danny, there was a better way to express your concerns without screaming at all your tribe mates as though they've done something wrong. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I want to say that maybe she's genuinely concerned, but her behavior tells me otherwise. So... Yeah, maybe she's just jealous, feeling insecure, feeling left out, and she needs Bray's attention, and she needs to be able to control him again. So here's something she found to be mad about, and mm-hmm. Bray responded. Yeah, I I think the only one I really felt sorry for in that opening scene was poor Cloudy. His ball all the way down that sewer. Oh my goodness. Poor little butt. I actually just felt sorry for Bray. I was like, when do mm-hmm. we get yeah. him? have a little bit of fun, just a little bit of fun. And he was having fun with the rest of the tribe. We don't get to see that often. And she yeah. comes barreling in and just <laughs> destroys it all. It's like, there was a better way you could have done that. Absolutely. You did not have to do that. I think Casey had a good point, nicknaming her Cruella, you know? <laughs> it's just cruel. And it once again sets up Danny to just be disliked. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you, you could have framed or directed that scene where we could have empathy for Danny as well. Like she walks in, she sees them all having fun. She may even smile a little to herself and then her smile fades because she knows she has to interrupt the fun because there's a serious it matter at hand. You know, that would make us feel like she's mm-hmm. not enjoying disturbing their fun, but it is important that security was off the entire night. And though Lex has a very good excuse he didn't find anyone else to take on guard duty while he was sick in bed. That's a valid thing to be concerned about. But by making Danny storm in there with the gates of hell, screaming at everybody, it just makes you hate her. Because it's like, mm-hmm. Danny, they weren't doing anything wrong. You're supposed to care about these people. They're supposed to be your family. And this is the way you're always talking to them. And once again, why do you always go from zero to 100 when anything upsets you, Danny? Have, why have you not learned that this isn't the best way to talk to people? And it sets the mood for everyone for the rest of the day. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I hate to say this, but you know what this, What she reminds me of right now? Early season one, Trudy. Honestly, a bad mood is one of the easiest things to pass on. It's very contagious. And it's almost like if someone back make, wakes you up poorly, your day is shot. Mm-hmm. This is what she did to them because this anger that she just lashed out at all of them was contagious. Every single person caught it and had it for the rest of the day. Yep. And it was just like, you didn't have to do that, Danny. You're supposed to be their leader. This isn't how you talk to them. This is not how you communicate your concerns to them. They're just looking at you like you're a crazy person. And again, they were having a good time and I hated watching her destroy that for them. Yeah, for me, there are two things that really stood out. Uh, the first thing, I laughed for a good solid five straight minutes when she was playing with Cloudy and then she just threw the ball down the sewer. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. that was hilarious. Second thing is, someone needs to tell Danny that security mishaps is a normal thing around here. <laughs> Nobody cares about security. You can put someone on guard, they won't do it. <laughs> yeah, if she wants it secured, she has to do guard duty. Yeah, yeah, do guard duty yourself and see how boring it is and then be like the rest of the tribe members and not do it. <laughs> And yeah. if this is so important to her, then how come she wasn't even aware that their chief of security was sick? Mm-hmm. Like, if she's going to be this upset about security, then you need to be consistent with it, Danny. And we've seen you guys not give a crap about security time and time again. And so it's just like, you don't get to just pick and choose what you're going to be pissed off about because you got triggered by something. And it's just like, I, I wish they hadn't directed it that way. Because once again, it just takes a dump on Danny's character when it could have been used to actually give her character some depth and they just shy away from that every chance they get. It's like they just really hated her and they wanted us to hate her too. Yeah, but Danny is not allowed to have any depth. I wonder if by now they knew what was going to happen at the start of next season and they're just on the road to trying to make us dislike her even more. So we won't miss her. I can't even give them give them that. It just feels like they, they just hated her. Like we're still what, episode forty one. Still got eleven to go. Like it's yeah, it just feels like they were just set. They just hated her and just re- wrote the rest of it this way. <laughs> they didn't know what was going to happen next next season, but they just did not like her. <laughs> because if it's the one thing that's been consistent about Danny is that she's been dislikable the entire season, mm-hmm. and it can't be just because they knew she wasn't going to stick around. Mm-hmm. It had to have been a subconscious. We just don't like her. <laughs> we don't like her, and it comes out in the writing. Because we've seen them make characters likable even when characters do despicable, <laughs> horrible things. Mm-hmm. Because they genuinely still like the character. Because, so they put the effort in to make us empathize with them regardless of the things they've done. And I just don't see that effort put into Danny. You know, that's really interesting. I'm sure the fans during the time this episode came out were aware that nobody likes Danny. They don't like Danny. I'm sure the creators knew that uh, we don't like Danny either. But I wonder if the actress who plays Danny is like, uh, this character sucks. <laughs> Why do I have to do this? In all honesty, in the beginning, when it first came out, I liked Danny. Oh, yeah. She was amazing. I'm that crossbow. Not afraid, not afraid to admit it. Because especially began, I severely hated Amber. So Amber 2.0 seemed like an improvement to me because it was an Amber. You know what? In hindsight, mm. that was... You know, (laughs) I feel different nowadays. I'm so happy you say that because now that I've been rewatching the series, I and I think and it hurts me to say this, but I think I prefer Danny than Amber. Well, I used to, but that was because teenage me absolutely had something against all blondes. Amber only had one good season. (laughs) But yeah, now as an adult watching her, she annoys the heck out of me. Yeah, because what is it? A few episodes ago, we were like, why is she so why is she so bossy? Why is she so bitchy? And then she got laid by Bray and then she started being nicer. Right. We're like, oh, that was the reason. But now she's back on her high horse. And I'm like, what is the deal with this lady? Oh, that's simple. You know, Bray got recharged. He doesn't need to do that with her anymore. (laughs) So she ain't getting any. Well, then it's all Bray's fault. No, I just think Danny, when she gets insecure about things, she doesn't handle, like, I think Maggie said about, she just doesn't handle adversity well. And Mm -hmm. so this is her knee-jerk reaction to anything that upsets her. Anything that upsets Danny, 
this is where she goes. She does not learn how to deal with her emotions when she gets upset, you know, and um, she lashes out at anybody in the vicinity over anything that triggers her in the smallest amount, whether it's a painting, you know, whether it's, oh, we don't, I'm worried about uh, Ebony's power base, whether it's Bray's not paying attention to me, whatever it is, whatever upsets Danny, this is the reaction. This is what you're always going to get. And then, you know, she'll calm down maybe after she gets Bray's attention. Usually that's what it takes. Bray gives her some attention and then she goes soft voice again and gets reasonable again. But it's just, that's what it felt like this. She just wanted his attention and she was mad she hadn't been getting it. He hadn't been paying attention to her, hadn't been doing what she wanted, didn't need her to tell him what to do. She found something to get pissed off about. Now Bray is focused on her again. And then she gets all calm and quiet and reasonable and explains what she's really upset about, what she could have already done. And, you know, Bray's like, you're right, we're on it, you know, and now he's snapping at everybody. And she's just sitting there next to next to his side because she got her voice piece back. You tell them, you scream at them, you get them to do what I want. And it's just, ugh. like, how can you, how can anyone root for this coupling? They're so bad for each other. And I don't think it's fair of her to tell Bray he can't ever let go. Are you yeah. freaking serious? You already know how much stress this guy is under being a leader. You've been the one that you've been someone who's actually comforted him about the strain he feels being a leader. Mm-hmm. So why would you do this? Why would you tell him he's not ever allowed to breathe easy and, you know, just take like, what kind of balance is that? Just because you're having mm-hmm. a bad day. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's absolutely awful thing to say. Like, he can never relax. He can never take any time off. <laughs> he has to be the golden icon for the whole tribe. Hundred percent, seven. That's no, that's, that's awful. Because <laughs> we've all talked about how bad it was when you know, as Bray tried to take on all of this, never asking for help, not delegating, and how unhealthy it was for his mindset. Like he literally fell apart under that pressure. You know, and didn't start to get better until he was like, I do need other people to do things. I need to trust people with what I'm thinking and what needs to be done. I need to let go a little bit. And then here's his partner saying, no, you're not allowed to. And it's all about that control. Danny needs to have it. She needs to have control over him and everything Mm -hmm. around her. And she got it in this episode. Bray fell back in line. Mm -hmm. That's where she needs him to be. But yeah, she's mad they didn't invite her to play. They started the game without her, came back with Cloudy like, what? I was supposed to be on Bray's team. You guys started this game without me. Everyone is going to die now. Yep. You guys are playing tackle basketball without me? <laughs> He's just annoyed. He always gets picked last. And this proves it. And uh, like the, the first two seconds of the episode, I was like, oh, she's actually she's taking Cloudy for a walk. This is very nice. We're getting to see a bit of Danny being just mm-hmm. being outside and doing something nice. But then, oh, no, there she goes. <laughs> it's, <kind> of... <laughs> it's like, yeah. Right, it was just a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> Not even 30 seconds in. <laughs> I, you couldn't let her just do something nice and then you just had to cut it. Straight down. Is that, oh. I mean, of all the things, all the times for the mall rats to not give a crap about security, shouldn't it be right after they all believe that their biggest threat isn't a threat anymore? Now, I'm not saying they're smart for thinking that, but it at least makes sense that they think that. You know what I mean? Like, of all the times to not care about security, to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, Lex is sick. We'll be fine. 
Shouldn't it be right after they all believe the chosen are defeated? We can breathe easy for the first time. <laughs> Yay. We had a party and everything. And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do I smell happiness in here? <laughs> she would have made a wonderful Miss Hannigan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Danny. Danny, Danny, Danny. You got done wrong, girl. Have you been really ill? Yeah, I'm terrible. What, throwing up all night? I'm telling you, Trudy, I felt like I'd been poisoned. I didn't even know if I was going to make it. You'll get better. Soon you'll be back to the old devious scheming Lex we all know and love. So Lex mysteriously develops food poisoning after his meal with Trudy. So Tysan prepares a herbal remedy for him, but encounters Alice on her way. As Alice praises her kind nature, Tysan feels guilty and passes the message to her to give to Lex, leaving Alice wondering about Tysan's distant behaviour. So yeah, panel, how do you feel about Tysan's discomfort that we clearly see here um, and her trying to juggle her relationship with Lex and her friendship with Alice? She's feeling exactly what she should be feeling. She yep. should be feeling guilty. She shouldn't be like... Trash. She should feel like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. That was an appropriate reaction from Tysan to be like, oh, I feel like garbage. You go see him. I can't. I Don't compliment me. Don't make me out to be a better person. And I love Alice's response. I didn't, you know, and I just like, that's exactly how Tysan should be feeling. She should feel like crap mm -hmm. and not be able to look her friend in the eye, you know, and be like, I can't be in the same room with you guys. You know, I should feel awful because I don't have the guts to tell you the truth, what you what you deserve. I don't have the guts to stand up for the person I try to be, that I'm failing at this. She should feel like crap. Very appropriately done. I think you said just about all there is to say about that scene, really. Yeah, she's just, uh, that whole situation is trash. Tysan's trash. But we already knew this about Tysan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with that. What she's doing is trashy. That doesn't make her trash. Mm, I'm not going to nah. agree with you, Carlin. I think she's trash. That's okay. You can. Just don't say that we all agree on it because I don't. Nope. It's rough, though, um, watching Alice be such a good friend to both of them, giving them the highest benefit of the doubt. You know, when she sees Tysan seeming odd, she immediately notices it and immediately is worried about her friend, you know, and brings it up to Lex. Like, something's bothering her. I'm concerned about her. She's more distant than usual. And that's like, that's her first instinct is to think about her friend. Like, even though Alice is head over heels, blindly in love with Lex, completely ignoring all the signs that she doesn't have a boyfriend, she still hasn't blinded herself to the things that are around her and the people she cares about. And it just reminds you of what a good person Alice is, that her first instinct is to worry about Tysan. Mm -hmm. And is she need us? We, we're her friends, Lex. We need to make sure she's okay, you know? And I like it because it also digs in that knife. Like, you guys are screwing over one of the best people in the world. You should feel like crap about this and you need to do something about this. You know, because even Lex is like, oh my God, please. You could tell he's just like, stop. You're laying it on Alice. You're making this worse because I feel so terrible that you care about us at all because we're the worst. <laughs> I do. I, I, it's, it's painful to watch her care so much about them knowing that they're doing this. And um, it's like, Oh man, it's really well done. Really well done there. <laughs> and Alice's insecurity. She like, she wants to take care of Lex. He doesn't want her there. She feels clumsy about it. 
she feels dumb about her methods. And she's so grateful when Tyson, you know, is like, well, I made this, this will be better for him. And she's like, you're so great. Thank you so much. And, you know, you can tell when she's nursing Lex, how clumsy she feels. She's, she's mm-hmm. not the delicate, you know, bedside Mary, but she's mm-hmm. trying to be because she cares about him, you know, and um, he's not really reacting to her care the way she'd like him to. And, but she's just doing her best, you know, she's just doing her best. And uh, that look on Alice's face when she realizes Trudy made him dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She made you a meal. <laughs> <laughs> How dare she? Oh, Trudy. Trudy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love the way she came in. She she wanted to see his suffering for herself. Yes. <laughs> it couldn't have been what I made yeah. you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That cracked me up the way she came in. And then the way she leaves and smiles or something, like, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like, suffer, suffer. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the kind of revenge I can get behind. <laughs> it doesn't cause any permanent damage. It won't even cause emotional damage. Lex is going to be fine. But she feels just a little bit. Uh, better. And then just a reminder to him, <laughs> you know, when you feel better, I'm going to cook you something nice again. Yes. <laughs> this is only the beginning. What will she kill this time? <laughs> yeah. There was one little thing that I thought was odd is when, you know, Tyson asked them, it's just, you know, she's like, it's just mild food, food poisoning. You'll survive, you know. It must be something you ate. And he's like, the only thing I ate was made by the best cook I know. And I <laughs> my brain just goes, yeah, because- when was that established? <laughs> I know Trudy's yeah. fine in the kitchen, but since when is she the best cook that Lex is aware of? Because I remember her saying that she could never cook anything as Celine did. Hey, like, isn't Celine the best cook in the mm-hmm. tribe as far as we know at this point? Right. Yeah. I don't know where the Trudy actually came from. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bet anything she can't cook. Like, she does all right. We know she does. She's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. Celine who was the established, you know, kitchen wizard. She was the one who could do all this. So I, I thought that was just a little interesting that Lex said that. <laughs> so clearly she learned some tricks from the Chosen. <laughs> but then again, Lex is known for exaggerating his praise for someone when they're in their his good books. And Trudy right now is in his good books. She's forgiven him. She mm. flattered him with her attention. So he, he is feeling very praiseworthy of Trudy at this moment. So he might have just been hyperbole, you know, because it's Lex. Yeah, and because, well, when was the last time a woman cooked him a meal like that? <laughs> hey, what do you think you're doing? Get off her. Get off her, right? Hey, Jack. We were just fooling around. What is your problem, Jack? Okay, nothing. So Jack's... Jealousy of Dow does reach new levels as he physically pulls Dow off of Ellie during a playful moment during the rugby ball tackle game. And later, the two almost come to blows during an incident with the mall's security grill. So yeah, panel, and this has been festering for a long, long time, but yeah, what do you make of Jack and Dow and Ellie in this episode? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. Um, It's whatever. This is is an exact scene from Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) 
<laughs> and they're like just pushing each other. I hate you. God damn it. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> you know what, Carlin? You're not even wrong. Like, you could honestly interpret Jack's behavior as just as much jealousy of Dal being near another girl. Mm-hmm. More, you know, you like you could argue that because it's it's Dal he's arguing mm-hmm. with, it's Dal he's engaging with, you know, and uh, you could honestly turn this into a slash <laughs> fiction with the way he's behaving. Like, get off of her! How dare you touch another female? You're mine. Like, I just I can't with them. I'm just like whatever. I do love how Ellie gets back at him by agreeing to help Dal with the grill. <laughs> She's like, you've been acting like a jerk, and I don't like it. <laughs> So I'm going to do the one thing that I know will piss you off. And she'll do it with a smile. Yep. But I'm actually going to take a page out of Carlin's book and just say, I'm blaming it on Danny. This is all her fault. She fostered the bad mood. She made it worse for everybody. I know everybody's having a go at each other. So Technically Bray's fault because he stopped sleeping with her. (laughs) There's no confirmation of that. He's just not giving her his full attention. That's what it is. You know, he could easily still be. They could, I'm pretty sure they're still sleeping together. He's just not spending every waking moment of the day mooning over her and asking her for direction, and you know, having her tell him what he's supposed to do. And he didn't invite her to play the game. <laughs> but then again, it also must be terrible to marry someone and then find out you're actually in love with someone else. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Don't you? You mean Bray? No. <laughs> was never any chance there. But supposing there was, who'd it be, Sal? Ryan? Or Bray? Celine tells Trudy, after Trudy's amazing freakout, by the way, <laughs> concerning Brady, about Ryan's proposal. And Trudy proceeds to sow doubt in Celine's mind, urging her to talk to Bray and find out how she really feels about him. So yeah, let's focus on that. What do you make of Trudy's double agent strategy as she moves beyond manipulating Patsy and Chloe and onto some of the older more rats? Sorry, but it's hilarious to watch. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just mean, but... <laughs> I don't even think that's what it is. Honestly, what I think is so fascinating about Trudy's manipulation is that she's actually giving Celine good advice. I get it. I know that Trudy's job is to sow discord Mm -hmm. and, you know, to make things chaotic in the mall so they're not focused or, you know, centered or working together. But she's not wrong what she's saying to Celine. She's like being straight up. She knows Celine isn't love Ryan the way you're supposed to love someone that you want to be with forever. She's not dumb. She knows that Celine carries a torch for another man and that she's with Ryan sometimes out of pity, sometimes out of fear. Sometimes just out of desperation, sometimes just for selfishness. You know what I mean? She knows these are the reasons that Celine is with Ryan because he's her best option right now and he's so devoted to her. So telling her, like, dude, am I supposed to be happy that he asked you to marry you? Like, you guys aren't a healthy relationship at all. That's not good news. So why should I pray? Should I be thrilled? No, I know you don't even love this guy. Um, and yeah, you need to sort out your feelings, Celine. Mm-hmm. You can't say yes to Ryan when you don't actually love this guy, you know, um, and you have to sort out your feelings for Bray. She's not wrong about any of that. Even if her point is to cause disaster, it's what someone should say, even if they weren't trying to cause a problem. That's healthy advice to give Celine. So it's like, I can't even. I can't even be like, "Oh, you're so villainous, Trudy." Because I'm like, "You're right. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> she needs to do. She needs to sort this stuff out." 
You know what I mean? Especially if she's this in doubt about it, she already has her answer. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to marry Ryan. That's okay. She shouldn't. That doesn't make her a bad person. You know, Ryan didn't even ask for the right reasons. So it's like, this is a bad idea. But I think she's giving her great advice. So I'm just like, I know you're trying to be a bad guy, Trudy, but you're actually saying the best thing that Celine could have heard. <laughs> she does need to look at Bray and actually put to rest, like, is it possible? Can I let this go? Mm-hmm. Or will I harbor this forever? You know, she needs to do that. Sometimes the bad guy's right, man. Yep. <laughs> Trudy's the killmonger. <laughs> <laughs> she has a point <laughs> yeah this entire episode um i felt like trudy is just this giant cloud just looming over everybody and affecting how everyone is operating today i love that trudy's the only one in a good mood all day <laughs> <laughs> I actually do feel i actually do feel bad for celine um because this is a tough question to be asked when you're not even sure about your relationship anyway. And you're just trying to make peace with your relationship. You're just trying to get it fine. And then somebody ups the stakes on the relationship. And it's just like, you have to reject this person again. And you don't know how they're going to take it. Like, that's just a sucky situation to be in. And this is ignoring the fact that Celine doesn't love Ryan and that she's not a very good girlfriend for him or any of that. This is still just a sucky situation to be in for anyone. I agree. I, I do love what she says. You, do, you, She says to her, of course you have doubts. You don't want to say no to him and then realize later that you want him. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to say yes when you don't really, you're not sure about it. And I think that's something lots of people deal with when they're looking at getting married to someone. No matter how much they love them or not, that's the question they have to ask themselves. If I say no now... What if I regret that decision later and realize that this was the person I wanted to marry and I was just too scared to take the chance? But what if I say yes because I'm scared and realize I made a huge mistake, you know? This is why Trudy's approach works so well because it's like you mentioned, because she says good advice, but she's doing it in a way yeah. to sow as much discord as possible. But great yep. advice. <laughs> <laughs> <In all> honest, <laughs> it. She it has creating chaos bit down to a T. Yes. <laughs> Truth causes chaos. <laughs> yeah. True. It's all true. But um, one part of the scene that I, I did really love, like looking back on it, was the Brady scene. Oh, yeah. I love that. Because it like, what we don't know really until later on, but like looking back at it now, I was like, oh, yeah, that was really good. Um, freak out from her because she, she what well, could have yeah. happened. <laughs> Seeing like change the, oh, ba- yeah. the baby. You know what I mean? That's true. I, I just thought Trudy was just being the moody. No, no, no. no. <laughs> she can't have anyone find out that that's not a baby girl. Well, I knew and that, but I mean, when I first saw it, I was just like, oh, Trudy. <laughs> I love how she smooths it over because she gives a very yeah. rational explanation for why she'd freak out. Like, I'm sorry. It's just I was so scared for her all the time that just that I was triggered seeing you hold my baby. You know, I was like, that was a really smooth yeah. recovery. Because <laughs> who can argue that? Like, oh, that's totally fair. <laughs> Your child was taken from you and then you were held imprisoned with her. You would be edgy about anyone being around her when you you haven't given them permission to be around her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like smooth, Trudy, nice. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would react the same way. Get away from my baby. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? I can't leave her alone for one second. Yeah. It just gave me... This small, tiny flashback to a season one scene where Celine was trying to help with Brady and Trudy freaked out at that level. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a nice callback and trigger for their past together, you know. And you can see why Celine would take it so hard. Like, are you serious? Are we back here again? You know, and after everything. I also really love how not okay, Trudy gives Celine good advice, but she also adds a tiny caveat, which is something Trudy herself has learned is the wrong thing to do. Now, this is something Trudy did in season one. She didn't listen to the words Bray said. She listened to what she wanted to feel about Bray, which was a big problem for them. She ignored the fact that Bray never confirmed his feelings for her or a returned affection for her. She just listened to what she mm-hmm. wanted to believe. And she admits that later. I made things up in my mind because that's what I wanted it to be. And it was wrong to do that to you. But that's exactly what she tells Celine to do. It's like she knows that is the worst weapon that she can give Celine to screw all of this up. Is she says, don't listen to what he says listen to what you feel yeah you know knowing that celine will go in there and it'll let her own imagination and desire steer her course rather than being rational and listening to anything that bray actually says to her i love that i was like "Ooh, trudy Mm -hmm. that was really kind of that was kind of evil right there (laughs) she's like rely on the imagine of a teenage girl celine (laughs) (laughs) logic doesn't play a part here feelings don't care about your facts (laughs) (laughs) oh boy okay i mean let's go straight into that because oh following on from that conversation Celine does as she suggests and speaks with bray telling him about ryan's proposal and bringing up their past feelings about each other and while bray attempts to change the subject back to Celine and ryan there is a lot of touchy-feely behavior from him which leaves Celine confused yeah um go ahead panel I like the way this is directed. One, it's playing on Bray's general naivete with women. It's playing on that. This is a pattern for Bray. Bray, even though he's trying to be careful with it and has been working on it, he still is very naive about how his body language can be perceived by females that have a thing for him. We see him make this mistake time and time again. So I do like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also really love how first Bray is very physically intimate with his friend Like, oh, wow, this is a big serious Mm -hmm. thing. And he goes in to comfort her, you know, let her know, I understand how you feel, you know, because this is Bray. Bray working on understanding other people's feelings and being there for them. But the minute she makes it uncomfortable, Bray, he creates distance. He moves away like, oh, I think I might have given her the wrong idea. He separates himself from her and um, tries again, like you said, steer the conversation back to the fact that they are with separate people. Time has passed. You know, he's re- he's thinking about what he just said to her. He's thinking about how his behavior could be misconstrued because poor Bray, being as beautiful he is, has to think about that all the time. <laughs> and then you have Celine, who's doing exactly what Trudy just told her. She isn't listening to Bray's words. She's listening to how mm-hmm. she feels about his body language. <laughs> I really love that scene because she didn't come out of that meeting thinking, oh, Bray, it's not going to happen. She was just thinking, I want to flutter because he had his arm around me and he touched my hands and he doesn't want to marry Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Like you tried, Bray. You tried. You tried to handle that well. It's not your fault that these girls keep throwing their knickers at you. Okay. (laughs) You you tried to handle it. It's not your fault. (laughs) I think you made it very clear that you weren't going, there's no future for you in Celine. It's not your fault that that's not what she heard. (laughs) 
Oh, but those words, though, it's all those might have been. And then she's like, do you think we were a might have been? He's like, oh, crap. Um, uh, backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. <laughs> Oops, what did I just say? Uh, <laughs> might have been are nothing. They don't, they don't mean anything. They're just whispers in the wind that are there to screw you up. Great. He is backtracking. Like you said, he's becoming more socially aware yeah. like, from where he used to be. Like, he would never have done that before. But now he's like, okay, take it back. Yeah, take it back. Take it back. <laughs> Move across the room. And I guarantee if Bray wasn't still trying to be her friend and her leader, he would have found an excuse to leave the room. Mm-hmm. But he sold... He soldiered on to, you know, help her through this conversation. He didn't want her to feel rejected because he's been through that with Trudy. He's like, that wasn't the way to handle it. I messed up with Trudy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he's just trying to learn as he's going. He's a slow learner, but he's getting there. It's not his fault that Selena's just like, yeah. I want it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Bray this episode. All the women in his life are crazy. <laughs> yeah, he has a type. Not to mention, Danny literally just told him that as a leader, he can't ever let go. So he can't even walk out of this conversation with Celine, who has come to him as his friend and his leader looking for guidance. Hmm, that's the way he likes it. <laughs> he has to give it to her. He has to be on. He can't refer her to anyone else. He has to do his job. I think it's moments like these where he really wishes Amber was there to solve this messed up that like i wonder what brace thinks of the fact that none of the women none of the tribe mates can go to danny for advice despite her being a de facto leader none of them go to danny for help like he had to take all of amber's job yeah and this was not his specialty this was this, this was amber she was admin this is what she did and like he can't even like danny you know the girls have a problem could you help with that and then because all the girls hate Danny, so <laughs> I wonder if he's aware of that at all. <laughs> yeah, but Sleek could have never gone to Amber though. She's admin, not marriage guidance. She said so herself. She would have done it anyway, though. So. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Even if Amber was like, "I'm trying to sleep," <laughs> Celine was like, "Yeah, but I got stuff to talk about." <laughs> It's a very awkward scene. I do feel bad for both of them. I can understand wanting it so bad. Like, Celine, I get it. You know, we've all been there. And, um, you know, wanting to hear him say the words, wanting to hear him, you know, in any way reference the two of you as something that he thinks about and wonders about, you know. And then his reaction is to move away from you as soon as you bring it up. And uh, to get that kind of confirmation, but not want to believe it, you know, and... So I, yeah, I have a smidgen of sympathy for her just because, again, we've all been there and it just sucks. Like, oh, okay. Hey, at least he got an answer. Exactly. And she was almost going to act on that too, which would have been wrong. Yeah. That would have been wrong, but she was almost like, okay, I've accepted. That's what he said. Okay. You know, there's no future for he and I. So Bray's not an option anymore. He's off the table. So I'll give her credit for at least in that moment accepting that, in that moment. Can I have everybody's attention? We're here to enjoy ourselves. Yeah! And to do some talking. So if the tribal leaders would like to make their way to my suite, we can get the business of the day out of the way in private. The rest of you, enjoy yourselves. We'll be back shortly. After being banished to the hotel for his jealousy over Dao and Ellie being in the same room as each other, 
Jack continues to spy on everybody and discovers that she's meeting with the tribe leaders about the threat of the Chosen. So yes, um, simple question here panel. Um, were you worried about Ebony's scheming or actually actually pleased that she was taking control, about taking the threat of the Chosen seriously? I was pleased. I wasn't worried. I don't know why I wasn't. Maybe I should have been. <laughs> maybe I, maybe I should have been, but I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, oh good, somebody's thinking sensibly about this. I was a tiny bit worried, but you know, that's because I'm very much Team Trudy. And that, <laughs> that wasn't more concern for the mole rats, as in concern for Ebony once again ruining Trudy's plans. Um, that was all the you worried. You were worried she was going to destroy <laughs> Trudy's plans to take over the city with the Chosen? Wow, Sabine. <laughs> wow. I mean, I know you're Team Trudy, but wow. She was like, we was trying to scorch the earth, but he didn't want Ebony to ruin it. Basically. <laughs> I applaud your honesty. I respect it. I mean, look at that girl's drag record. Every time Trudy has something that she feels seems to feel good about, Ebony ruins it. <laughs> I want uh, you guys in the audience, this is what it means to be a true stan, okay? <laughs> like, she is behind Trudy no matter what the plan is. That is loyalty. <laughs> Learn something here, people. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that is some fandom love. I respect it. Kudos to you. I love it. I love it. Steadfast and true, Sabine. <laughs> no, I wasn't worried. I was. I was just like, like I was relieved that Ebony seemed to actually. Um, it was what Ebony was saying. Like she's talking. I'm concerned about the chosen, and I was like, that's a very valid thing to be concerned about. Um, and I think it said a lot the fact that none of the other tribe leaders seem concerned that the Malrats aren't there. Like, there's not a single one of them that's like, why haven't you invited Danny or Bray if you're talking to all the tribe leaders? That just tells you how the other leaders feel about the mall rats. That they're willing to meet with Ebony and talk about this concern, actually have it out. But they cannot go to the mall rats. They aren't concerned about the mall rats. They've already written them off mm -hmm. as we can't go to them. You know, we can't depend on them. They don't care about us. And Ebony is one of the few people who's actually taking a stand on something that some of us are a little concerned about. I mean, remember, it was the Malrats who had the first leader about the Chosen. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's Ebony they've chosen to meet with about it. I think that says a lot about the mood of the city. Yeah. She's more trustworthy. And that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But if, if Ebony says she's going to do something, she usually does it. I mean, this girl does have a track record, yes. She can be a manipulative, mean person, but just just look at the things he's done for the city. You know, we had the first tribal gathering that, yes, it it got ruined, but she tried. And she was able to get them to show up to it. Yeah, and she always seemed to have the city's best interest at heart. Mm. So as far seemed. as the city's concerned. Seemed. <laughs> seemed is the operative word yeah. here. yeah. I said she seemed to. But I think that's that fair hard. that if I were one of the kids in the city and I have to look at these two opposing leader groups and I'm <laughs> thinking if I am actually concerned and I want to talk to a leader that I think is going to do something about it, I can't blame these kids for choosing Ebony despite her track record because it is both positive and negative. And I, I understand why they would say yeah, Ebony's done some messed up stuff, but she actually does get stuff done. And if she's saying that the Chosen are an issue, I want to talk to her about it. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's very resourceful. But uh this was one of my favorite scenes in uh in the second season. I mean there's so many scenes to pick from, but when Jack is kinda like planning that listening device and she's heading back to her room and that epic tribe tribal music is playing, it's my absolute favorite. And Ebony does actually prove, like, just listening to that tribal meeting, what little we get to hear of it, um, it does say something about her leadership abilities. Now, granted, she had a lot of personal problems with the mall rats, but none of these guys have had to really live with her. So they have more of a professional tribal relationship Mm -hmm. with Ebony. So even when they were all in gangs fighting each other, I can actually get the mentality of thinking, well, that was just tribal warfare. You know, those are completely different rules because she's acting like a diplomat, you know, like this is we're going to parlay. We're not here to fight with each other. We're here with us leaders to discuss something, which is something our mall rats never do. Our mall rats only discuss things when the leaders when they want the leaders to do something. You know what I mean? But Ebony has actually called them to have a discussion about a concern she has, not to mobilize the other leaders to do something she wants them to do. You know, um, so it's an actual true parlay. And uh, the Mallrats haven't figured that one out yet. They only call these meetings when it's like, we need the Mallrat, the tribe leaders to do this. So we'll call a meeting and then force their hand so that they'll do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't want to meet with those people because every time they do, you know, it's not going to be a discussion and they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. They're just going to force you to do something that you may not be at peace with doing, but you don't have a choice. And they don't get anything done. I mean, the only thing they accomplished was finding the antidote. And that was mm-hmm. pure coincidence. And that was their efforts from season one. It had nothing to do with their efforts in season two. So the Mallrats have just been riding on the coattails of their season one successes, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a few good things that they seem to do. Well, Ebony was involved with those. That's true. That is true. Agreed. That would be another question. I'd be like, she was with the Mallrats. And now she's left them. What does that tell you about that group? Hmm. Because they didn't listen. And because they wanted to stick their heads in the sand, right? Like they want to be in charge of the city, but they don't want to participate in the tribal... (sighs) What would the word be? I guess just what it means to be... Politics? Yes, thank you. The tribal politics. They don't want to participate in that. No, they just want to rule. They just want to be in charge. Yeah. And they don't understand that there's more to it. Ebony at least gets that. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Mallrats are the, the kings that don't work with their nobles mm-hmm. and forget that their nobles have more power than the crown itself. If the nobles turn on you, that's it. You lose your crown. Ebony understands how important your nobles are and yeah. that you've got to be on good terms with them if you want to keep your crown. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that. Oh, I was going to give kudos to Jack since Sabine has accused me of only criticizing him. (laughs) Way to pick that lock, Jack. That was impressive. Mm -hmm. Guys, he did that in less than 10 seconds. Yeah, that takes skill. A lot of skill. I I was thoroughly impressed. I was like, I'm just saying, like, I play. I am. My only experience (laughs) is being a lock pick in Skyrim. (laughs) And it took me a long time to figure it out. I broke a lot of lock picks. So, yeah, I'm super impressed, Jack. That was incredible. Y'all speak from experience? (laughs) Yeah, especially with the tools he had. The only thing that annoyed me about that, he just did it too too quickly. They were literally just stepping one step, and he was in that lock and opened it. It was like, you couldn't have waited two seconds. At least I can go. Yeah. It'd be great if you opened the door and they were just at the end of the hall. Like, what are you doing? 
In, in reality, though, it can go that quickly if you have the proper tools. No, he just means you should have waited more than a second after they walked away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five minutes, Jack. Just make sure they're actually gone. They hadn't even reached the end of the corridor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, editing in time, but yeah, it just could have waited a second. <laughs> <laughs> he deserved to pat himself on the back for that one. Yeah. And just, you know, going in there... Being told he can't go in and still making sure he does. Because he could have just oh, yeah. come back and told Danny, well, look, sorry, couldn't get in. Ebony's doing something. And I have to check on my girlfriend and boyfriend. Make sure they're not <laughs> doing anything without me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have. He could have taken the easy way out. They wouldn't let me in. Sorry, guys. But he, he actually takes it seriously. They need me to do this. I got to get in there. Yeah, I, I think he realized that with the amount of people gathering and what he saw... He knew it was important for him. You know, he knew that he would find out something more important. <laughs> I do love the timing of the bug stop when it stops working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that makes me laugh. <laughs> like, he hears all this important stuff. That, okay, Ebony's talking about the Chosen. And she's like, okay, let's pretend, let's be crazy here. These are my ideas. <laughs> One. <laughs> yep. Yay. <laughs> uh, where did you find this bug, Bray? Jack is constantly trying to fix this thing. <laughs> I feel like Jack could have just created a better one himself. I'm surprised he didn't. Like After uh, getting the idea of what they wanted him to do, he didn't go and get his own equipment anyway. That always surprised me. Because <laughs> he might have actually heard what he needed to hear and then found out, oh, this is what Ebony believes and this is what's going on and could have gotten out of the hotel sooner. And where would the conflict be? True. <laughs> Also, he's not getting along with Dal. Dal would have given him that idea. Remember, Dal is a pragmatic one. Mm-hmm. Dal is, and Jack's the single focused one. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have his pepper pots with him to help yeah. him like think outside of the box. So he's single focused. This is the bug that Bray gave me. This is the one I got to make work. Where Dal would have been like, "Why don't we make those paper cup uh, telephone things?" Uh, you know, he would have yeah. like come up with something else. No, that's that's very true. Let's get a walkie talkie. Yeah, let's get a walkie-talkie in there and just put it on, you know, like, receive the entire time. And all we have to do is click our end and we'll hear whatever they say. <laughs> that would, that's what Dal would have said, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Tony is useless without Pepper. Ellie will never be Pepper. You know, she's more of a roadie. Look, if you're trying to tell me you want to marry me because you're afraid I'll tell myself. I wouldn't do that to you. Why, Ryan? Why do you want it to be marriage? Because I love you. Why can't we just go on like we are now? It's snow. I don't want to hurt you. Isn't it? It's snow. After narrowly saving Casey from a mob, Ryan returns to the mall, where Celine asks him why he wants to get married instead of just carrying on as they are. And it's this scene that finally gives him her answer to the proposal. See, panel, yeah, what do you make of that? This will be unpopular, but my sympathies are actually with Sabine, uh, Celine here. Um... I mean, I do feel bad for Ryan, but Ryan asked for all the wrong reasons. He asked Celine to marry him so he could lock down the security of their relationship. He asked her because he's insecure about losing her, not because he's like, we're ready to take this step and we're healthy and we should be doing this. He did it so that he could be sure for now and forever that he has Celine, which is why he's in such a bad mood when she needs the time to think about it. Because her hesitancy only fuels his insecurity that she doesn't want him. 
And that's why he's furious all day, you know? And I, I really feel bad for Celine because she gives him the right answer. They should not be getting married. She doesn't say, I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore. This relationship has to end. She just, she says, why can't we just go as we are? Like she's telling him, I'm simply not ready to take that step in my life or our relationship. That is an honest and right answer to give him, you know, but because it's not what he wants to hear, it just stabs him in the heart of all his insecurities. I can't lock her down. I can't guarantee that Celine and I will be together forever. So he takes it and it takes it terribly. He can't see it as she still loves me. You know, we can just be a relation. We just take some time and see where we go. For him, this is just the ultimate rejection. I can't have her forever because she won't commit to forever now. But Celine is actually doing the right thing for once in this relationship by saying, why can't we just stay as we are? I'm not ready to make this step, which is the better thing than saying yes when she doesn't love him and doesn't want to commit to forever with him right now. So I really feel bad for her. <laughs> I really do, actually. Sorry, didn't mean to spoil the mood. You're forgiven. <laughs> I just hate thinking about those two. Because, I mean, we've seen adults who feel that way. They, you know, they think if you say no to a proposal that there's no hope for the relationship. Mm -hmm. So imagine a kid hearing that. You know, and it's like, it doesn't have to be an ultimatum, you know, but because Ryan is just so insecure and that's what he's trying to get out of this relationship, the reassurance that it'll never end. He takes Celine not wanting to have a child or marry him right now as a complete rejection of him rather than an honest, you know, reflection of just not being ready to do those things. She shouldn't be ready to do those things. No, but in, in TD tiny bit in Ryan's defense. Um, he saw Zandra marry Lex for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And that's what he thinks he should be doing. You know, because he... No, I'm not... He, no, I'm just saying that he always thought that that's the next step. You find a girl, you fall in love, you marry her. That's basically what he thought. He saw Lex do it. He know that ended badly, but, you know, at least he was his wife. And I think that's Part of what's driving Ryan to think that marriage should be what they would do. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. My sympathies for Celine isn't my villainization of Ryan. I, I don't mean that, oh, Ryan is wrong and he's terrible or anything like that. I just meant that I have more sympathy for her because I know how badly Ryan's going to take this. But I agree with you entirely. Ryan is chasing milestones to ensure that this is real. Mm -hmm. And that's why her rejection hurts so bad. And you're right. He watched Zandra marry Lex. Regardless of how messed up that relationship was, Lex and Zandra did it. And it was like she loved him that much that she was willing to do it, you know? And um, mm -hmm. if Celine isn't even willing to do that, it means she doesn't love me, you know? Yeah. And Ryan knew when Lex and Zandra were married, after that, Zandra was pregnant. That must be somewhere in the back of his head. It's a shame he didn't learn anything from watching that relationship. But I guess the only thing he got from it was that, well, they loved each other. They, they loved, loved each other at some level. They loved each you other. Know, they so. got married. And Sandra got pregnant. I mean, if she hadn't been blown up, she would have had his kid. Or at least Lex's kid. I mean, but. So, yeah, I, th I think he might feel that mar that marriage step might be. What could get him to his end goal? But yeah, Celine did the right thing. Say no. This this shouldn't happen for either of you. 
if she said yes, she'd be doing it for the wrong reasons. And Ryan has asked for the wrong reasons. It just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely sucks. I mean, at this point in time, they are communicating, which is nice. But for me personally, I think they just need some time apart. Because clearly, Celine does not feel the same way that Ryan does. And I don't know, maybe time can uh, help everything come forward a little bit. And she at least learned from their last conflict. I'll give her that. Like last time Ryan asked her to do something she didn't want to do. Instead of just telling him that, she got passive aggressive and didn't have a conversation with him about it. Now, they're both wrong in that situation, but she didn't handle it very well either, any better than he did. This time, I think Celine did her best to handle this well. She, you know, she doesn't ignore him. She doesn't push him away. You know, she admits she needs to think about it, and she actually does. And then she comes to a proper conclusion, and she's very gentle when she tells him. She, like, sits down and has a conversation. She doesn't make him wait for days and days and days. You know, she doesn't give him a half answer. She sits down and talks to him. She even asks him, like, why does it, you know, why do you want this thing? And then gives him her answer in the gentlest way possible. So I got to give her credit for that. You know, like, she actually learned something and tried to handle this one better. Because she's still trying to preserve her relationship. Even if it's for the wrong reason, she is trying to preserve what she and Ryan have. And rejecting him, she knows how hard this is going to be. So she's like trying to say no to this thing he wants without ending it, you know. Mm -hmm. So she deliberately says, can't we just go on as we are? I don't think she could have been any more straight about what she wanted here. Yeah. You know, so I, I just I have to give her points for that. However, <laughs> she's saying, yeah, let's uh keep on as we are whilst in the back of her head she's like okay how can i make a move on bray how is this going to manifest and happen so i mean this can't give her too much credit here well that's the right thing to do if she's still thinking about bray if she's still thinking that i can't settle down because i'm still hoping that danny will fall off a cliff someday and bray will be available <laughs> Telling Ryan that she'd rather just keep dating as they are now is the right answer. No, it's not the right answer. I don't believe it. She, 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 she should be calling it off then. If she doesn't know what she feels for Bray and what she feels for Ryan, then she needs to stop. She needs to come out of that relationship. That is fair. She should end mm -hmm. a relationship. She shouldn't like dr keep dragging him along until she knows how she feels about yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm no, no, that's fair. That's totally time. fair. I'm just saying she's right to say no to this proposal. Yeah. I'm just giving her points for that. But yeah, you're right. She probably should just end the relationship. If she, if what she's holding out for is Bray, then yeah, she and Ryan shouldn't be dating at all. <laughs> nah, it's just it's a really crappy situation for them both to be in. It it's painful on both sides. Um, whether or not they should have a relationship, the point is that they do. We don't have to like it, but they do. They're young. They're stupid. You know, they have these feelings. They don't know what to do with them, and that is what it is. And it just, it's, it's just sucks. These are questions they shouldn't be asking. And, mm -hmm. you know, Ryan is sitting here. The one thing he wants is to know he'll have Celine forever. And the two things he thought would get him that Celine has said no to both of them. Yeah. And, uh, he's a young kid who doesn't know how to reconcile that. She has every right to not want to have a child mm -hmm. or to want to commit to marriage. It still hurts him. Because it's just a reminder that she's not sure about her love for me. I'm sure of my love for her. I know I want this. It's painful for him to know she doesn't. You know, and it's hard for mm -hmm. Celine to look him in the face and say, you're a good guy. 
I have no good reason to not want to be with you. And yet I have doubts and I, it scares me to think I would lose any opportunity to be with anybody else if I commit to you now. And that makes you feel like a terrible person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've been that girl. I've been that girl. It's like, are you kidding me? There's so many men <laughs> that I are in my future. Okay? <laughs> Do you think I'm going to give them all up when I'm 16? No way. Hmm. If that makes me a horrible person, fine. I guess I am. <laughs> Bray may be free in two months for all I know. Right? And I'm going to work it. I'm not losing that opportunity because you're nice. Are you kidding me? Right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, jumping ahead, but she, she doesn't even wait till Bray's free. <laughs> she, she, she goes right in there, is like, take me, Bray. <laughs> she should have just taken Ooh. a knife and stabbed Danny in the face. She might as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I object. I object. Oh my goodness. How many times has Bray led on? We've already woman? talked about this, and I'm not going to start the conversation now. No, no, no. The poor boy has a f pulls a face of please don't take your clothes off near me. Come on, this wasn't on Bray. This is all. This is all a matter of perception or perception. Okay, so that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. So after receiving Trudy's message from Wolf, the Guardian instructs the Chosen to let the terror begin, which we see at the end of the episode, bundling the city kid into their vehicle. See a panel, what did you make of the Chosen's return? It's only a return if they'd ever left. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess for the city kids, it's a return. I, I was glad to finally see, because we've been wondering what their plan is all along. Yeah. And, I mean, remember, they premiered in the first episode. Who were these guys? What do they want? And then they took Brady. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, okay, they wanted Brady and Trudy. We don't know why, but you're like, it's part of their cult thing. Fine. And you think that's it. They just take Trudy away. And then Trudy comes back. And then we realize that, you know, she's under the chosen control. And now you're stuck again going, what do they want? What's the plan? So it's actually kind of refreshing to find out what the plan is to terrorize the city. To what end? We still don't really know. But I can't admit. It, there was some excitement at like, okay, we're finally getting to see what they're, they're in action, like what it is they're trying to accomplish, you know, what grandiose plans the Guardian actually has. Mm -hmm. And all oh, the use of that van in this, it's just, I, I love that they did it this way because we can instantly see the Chosen have resources that the other tribes do not because we haven't seen a vehicle in ages. And, you know, just the idea of, you know, kids, stay away from fans. There might be scary people in there to kidnap you. It's just... It's also, it's also really nice to see a bad guy or an antagonist or anybody who has been laying low for so long, planning, mm -hmm. and then to see plans start to come to fruition and realize they use their time well, gathering yeah. resources, you know, slipping through quietly, gaining spies. You know, and we'll learn getting members, like just swelling their membership. Yeah. There's just, it makes them so impressive. Again, season three lets us down, but for now, it's impressive. It's a really great way to build yeah. your antagonist. Yeah. Like, like oh, because you, you see Wolf enter the building, you see all those barrels of petrol. 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, what the heck are they collecting? And then you see a van. And like Sabine said, it's been ages since we've seen a vehicle, mm-hmm. you know? And the last time it was the ruling tribes terrorizing the city using it vehicles. Was, well, even better, last time the locos and with Emily in charge were the ones who had control of this, this patrol. And we know the Guardian used to be one. Yeah. So it, it does make sense that he knows where to find this stuff. But it makes you wonder how many of the old locos has he actually gathered to be able to take over important landmarks like that to just get a hold of the fuel. It's 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 ominous at the least. Yeah, yeah, that little scene tells you a lot about the chosen, just how resourceful they are, how organized they are, mm-hmm. and uh, there's nothing more dangerous than a, I guess. Oh, I guess in this series, there's nothing more dangerous than a tribe that is organized and they kind of appreciate uh, the chain of command. Mm. And they have an actual plan. They've thought it yeah. through. Let the terror begin and we immediately see what that terror is. We, we saw that same tribe leader at Ebony's place and now here he is wandering the streets and can't get into his place and he's being chased and gets snatched. Yeah. It shows you no one is safe. And it's also confirmation that Ebony's not crazy. Ebony's not trying to stir the pot. Mm-hmm. Ebony's concerns are valid and our mall rats are idiots. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's coming for you. It's com- It can't get here soon enough. It's coming for you guys. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you mentioned, like the plan and stuff. It, for the Chosen, it always made sense. Like, okay, they're, you're going to come back to the city. This is the place where Zoot died. This is the place where Parankes was born. It all makes sense. Everything's connected to here. You've got the baby, Trudy, Brady. And you have to compare it to obviously what comes later with the technos. And it's, I never felt they had a plan. I never felt there was any reasoning for them to come and target the city. But here with the Chosen, you, you, you feel that. Yeah. The, cho- the Chosen are purposeful. From the moment they're invented, they knew what they wanted the Chosen to be. They knew what the Chosen end goal was supposed to be. And they knew the why. And they made sure it all made sense. They weren't just flying by the seat of their pants and said, we'll try to make it make sense later. Mm-hmm. They knew going in... So the Chosen work really well. Like they don't play out perfectly later yeah. on because it's like we got, you know, they're for them. The end goal was invasion, takeover. That was the end goal for the Chosen. And then they probably didn't think much past that. But this execution here is absolutely perfect because they knew what they wanted it to be. They knew the why. We don't question why the Chosen are doing this. You know, like you said, it all makes sense. Um, the Technos were... I do not think they were planned. I do not think they were thought out. And it feels like every episode, it was just sort of like, I have an idea, let's try this. And when you pull it all together after two seasons, nothing they did really makes all that sense or had any real purpose. Mm. You know, they just had to make stuff up. And then when you're finally given a reason, you're like, that doesn't make sense. You know, they they just weren't a well thought out antagonist. They were there for flash and bang, but you know, Mm -hmm. Mm. they almost feel like they were a last second invention. And then they were, just playing catch up the whole time with them. What do we make them do now? What do we make them do now? Because they may not have planned accordingly for them. And then they were just like, well, why don't we have this happen? And, but it's like, well, now what do you do with them? You know, and they just, they never come together. But the Chosen, perfection, at least in season two. Season two Chosen are perfection. It was great seeing the Guardian back. <laughs> His intensity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's something about a leader. It tells you how powerful and effective a leader is when you spend all your time with their underlings and their underlings are really good at getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it actually elevates their leader because they were the ones who were able to get them to do all this and do it so flawlessly. That's impressive. They're the ones being put into danger. They're the ones doing all the legwork, but they're effective. And it's like, it's all because of that leader. And it's like, that's impressive. Like Ebony's a good leader, but her locos were idiots. You know, they were just a big, they were just big fists. <laughs> you know, that's all they were really good for. Brute force, but they weren't good for thinking. And you, it was really hard to make them do anything effectively. You know, so you could see that was her limitation as a leader. But Jaffa, damn. I, I do wonder if that's why um, everything with the locos went downhill so quickly when Emily became in charge. Because Jaffa left and took the guys who were actually useful with him. Probably. <laughs> yeah, it's like night and day between the locos members and then the, the chosen members. It's like fast food workers and then Apple, Apple tech help. <laughs> If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, Ebony just left herself with the, the bully boys, the tough yeah. guys, but he took all the important. He took great. Yeah. There's also something else. Jaffa said to Ebony, like when she, you know, she calls him out for what he's doing, leading, he's starting this little cult and stuff, and what it is he's chasing, and he says to her, "People need to believe in something." Now, Ebony's form of rulership is basically to tell her people, "It's not your place to think." It's your place to follow orders. She doesn't give them something to believe in or to think about what they're doing, what they're doing. She uses fear and intimidation. And so, of course, it only lasts for so long. People will stay with you because you're the better deal. But if a better one comes along, they will bail quite quickly on you. Um, and then you have your mall rats who, well, we already know they're a hot mess. They may have something to believe in, but they're not effective, not good at thinking it through, blah, blah, blah. Jaffa, even though he wants people who won't give him too much trouble and doesn't want great thinkers too much, you know, he still gives their minds something to focus on so that they can believe in what they're doing. That's what creates such a loyalty. And for many of them, he still, he actually makes their lives seemingly better than the lives they lived before. And uh, so that also makes him effective. You know, we all say the chosen are brainless, but not really it's just that he's skewed their perception as to how they should view the world and that's why they're so on board and why it takes so long to take them down um so yeah that brings series two episode 41 to a close thank you very much to the panel if you'd like to take part in a future episode of the pop you can send us a message over on our facebook page or on our website the tribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode 42 until then bye Bye. Later. Bye.